What is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Draft Duo Podcast with myself, Nolsey, and my co-host, Jaxie. It is great to be back after the break, Jaxie. Unbelievable. It was, yeah, a couple of green arrows and a few red arrows coming into the international break. Mixed emotions, but it was good, uh, good to be back now doing a bit of research, preparing for the couple of weeks ahead. Yeah, it was nice to actually properly zone out of actually football, you know, watching football and looking at stats. But we didn't take a backseat from the Draft Duo podcast. So we have some exciting news straight off the bat. Game Week 13 preview. We have delved into the YouTube scene. It is something that we have thought about straight away since we started it. But I think we wanted to kind of have a base first before we kind of went into it and get our content, get our followers up. First of all, thank you very much for listening. That's kind of given us the push to do this. We want to give it in another format as well. So I suppose the YouTube will be a condensed version of the podcast. It will be a more visual podcast, I suppose. Again, our podcast will have more in-depth, in-detail stats and analysis, as well as our own kind of spin on it. It will mainly be our questions that we'll be answering this week. So again, our normal podcast setup will be a review of our Injuries from the international break, we're going to go through listener questions and apply them questions to your draft teams. Uh, A lot of the similar kind of players and questions have come up, so there's going to be kind of burning questions on particular players and what to do with them. Look at them in detail, how they relate to other teams and other options as well, and then give our waiver suggestions. Please give us a little subscribe on YouTube, the same handle, FPL underscore draft underscore duo and we look forward to putting out some content. I suppose when we started the page, the goal was to bring the FPL draft to as many people as possible to the wider community. And from speaking to yeah the listeners and speaking to friends, a lot of people get their information from YouTube, their FPL information and their draft information. A lot of people in terms of like the NFL draft or a basketball draft, speaking to a lot of those guys, they get it from YouTube. And so that's why we want to bring it to this avenue, bring our information to this avenue so as many people as possible can get information about it. And we enjoy doing it. We enjoy the kind of visual aspects and the graphics of it. A lot more work. There's a lot more hours than you would think um, and hopefully we can kind of keep that going with the YouTube. So as I said, thanks for listening and please give us a, a little watch on YouTube and any feedback is greatly appreciated. into the podcast game week 13 preview and waivers as we said we're going to start kind of recapping on the international break first and foremost we want to kind of let you know that we don't look at the international break too much when we think about fpl because there's a a lot of different variables in international football yes form comes into it but there's so many different things and so many different variables as i said it's hard to correlate that information directly to fpl It's kind of a different entity. Yes, the main two things that we're going to look at are injuries and maybe travel time where players are playing. But in terms of exact stats and who scored and expected goals for, you know... England against North Macedonia. Exactly. You're not going to play on it. Because there's different managers as well and players play in different systems. Different managers, different formations. Yeah, you're playing against, like, England against North Macedonia. It's not... It's not like for like, it's not, it's apples and oranges. (laughs) (laughs) So we're not going to look into that too much, but we will give a quick update on injuries. So we're going to break this down into categories. Who do we think will be back for game week 13? 
who's probably going to miss out game week 13 or maybe more and then who's going to be out long term has direct and significant influence on some of the questions that we are going to answer today so expected to be back for game week 13 as we said all these injuries are you know subject to change we get them from what we think are trusted sources um, yep. injury experts on uh, injury expert it's actually a page on twitter all is very good so Haaland, rashford jesus in kunku colwell almiron isaac kind of in line to be back for game week 13 there is two other names that possibly will be back in the squads but i don't think they'll be risked so shaw and neto are coming back from well I suppose Neto was kind of a long-term injury as a hamstring and Shaw has been a long-term injury this season so two of them could be in with a shout for game week 13 but I suppose it's more that they're on our radar for the future that they're in line to come back soon likely to miss out game week 13 Hall will miss out because he can't play against his parent club so that means Livermento will probably be nailed on as a Newcastle defender Raya can't play for his parent club against Brentford and then other players that are injury are injured that will probably miss out. Matoma apparently will miss out. Ake. Ederson is about 75%. Hoyland again coming back from a hamstring injury. I don't know. It could be 50-50 I would call that. Onana picked up a shoulder injury. So he's a, a doubt. Ferguson is 50% with his back. Doji is still 50%. He pulled out of the Italian squad. Yeah, Italian international. Yes. Yeah. As did Vicario. Yeah. With a flu. I would probably monitor a couple of them. A lot of them could be in with a shout of playing this weekend. I'd just be kind of looking at the likes of... I think Matoma looks like he definitely will be out. Ake, Ederson, we'll talk about them. They'll probably be rested just because of the strength and depth of City squad. But the other ones, I think their teams would like to push them to play. The likes of Hoyland, Onana, Adoji, Vicario... Their teams need them. So if they're in with, you know, possibility of playing, I think they will. But currently, it's a 50-50. And finally, players that will not be there for game week 13 and could be further. So Dunk picked up a new knee injury and will be out for a couple of game weeks. Bone is still relatively unknown. So he was removed from the English, English squad as a precautionary measure. Getting a scan. There was a quote from Gareth Southgate saying, I don't think it's going to be anything serious. But we didn't have enough time and we wouldn't take a risk with that player. So I think it's more precautionary. Again, that's under wraps, so I would monitor that. Antonio apparently has been out with a long-term knee injury on international duty with Jamaica. That has significant impact on some of the questions. Foster is still out with that mental health illness, so that's unknown. That, again, has relevance to some of the Burnley players. And Van der Ven, apparently it's mid-January by the time he's back couple of other players that are important kdb a couple of questions on him he's expected back mid-december but i suppose we can use this as kind of the first base of some of our questions one of the main things that we're going to highlight in this week's podcast is the very busy christmas period that comes around every year and kdb and city and a lot of other teams are going to be affected by this so although we expect him to be back mid-december because again the strength and depth in city squad I don't expect him to start playing regularly until January. I think he'll get in and maybe start some games, but I mean, back-to-back games, back-to-back 90 minutes, I think it could be January by the time that happens. So that's going to be a very important point when we talk about some of the trades that are involved with KDB. Stones again, long-term, and then Wilson, out for a couple of weeks. This also has relevance to the Christmas period because Wilson is so injury-prone. He was out for a hamstring injury, 
came back out again. So I personally think, and we'll end on this in terms of the injuries, that if Wilson comes back and plays minutes, I would get rid. Because of that hefty Christmas period and his you know, proneness to injury, I think it's inevitable. And even if he does come back and is fit, he's only going to play you know, a rotation role before how he gets injured or how wants to protect him. So that's a little roundup of the vast majority of injuries in the Premier League this uh, since the last game week. It has been absolutely massive. I think there's upwards of 200 injuries in the Premier League this season so far. It's one of the highest ever's. I don't know if there's correlations between anything else and that. Huge, huge variance from the last game week to now. And I'm sure there's going to be massive change from now until the game week deadline. Finally, on suspensions, three players are suspended because of yellows. Dawson, Palinia and Basuma. And three players are suspended because of a red card. That is Romero, Dahoud and Vieira of Arsenal. So all them players will be out this week. Might influence other players in that position. Okay. First question that was sent in. Question was, goalkeeper talk. Best options in a small league. Is it worth rotating for fixtures? The variance between the top goalkeeper and the 15th ranked goalkeeper so far in terms of points, there's only an average of two points per game. So in a small league, which this question was asked on, two points average per game isn't going to be massive from a goalkeeper's perspective. You will be able to get up points from other areas. But nonetheless, there are some keepers that you can select um, in that small league. First one that I would be looking at is Rhea. And this would be in a rotation with uh, Vlacodimus of uh, Nottingham Forest because when Arsenal have the tough fixtures of playing Villa away and Liverpool away, that's in their next five games, you can play Vlacodimus in these fixtures. The only thing about Rea is he won't be playing in the next game week. That's the only thing about him. Which might be a benefit when you're trying to trade from. Yeah. You know, it might take advantage of if someone has Rea this week and they don't have a playing keeper, they have a keeper that's not playing on the bench, could be a good time to target them. So maybe have a look at your leagues, see who has Rhea and how are they fixed for this week because you might get them over the line because they need a starting keeper. Yeah. Some of the top keepers so far this season have been the likes of Pope. Alisson is up there as well. The reason why I haven't gone with these guys is Liverpool have the hardest fixtures over the next 10 game weeks and Newcastle, they've lost half their defence there their prime defence I wouldn't rate them as highly same with Spurs Vicario is I think he's the fifth most uh, points for a goalkeeper so far this season but Spurs' defence has taken some hits with Van de Ven being injured and Adoji um, just coming back now as well from a rotation point of view I would be looking at the likes of Brea and Vlacodimus for a pick at the stick I'd be looking at the likes of Bird Leno so Bird Leno he's the third most points as a goalkeeper and he has the second most saves of a goalkeeper so far this season the most clean sheets of a team is five so teams in the Premier League aren't keeping that many clean sheets so we are looking for those save points so for a pick and stick I think Bird Leno um, and because of his good fixtures over the next couple of weeks I think he is your man we also have three options in the waivers this week that might be good one week punts in terms of goalkeepers which rarely ever happens so listen into the end to get some of them options that might play if you are stuck. Next question. I have Kudus, Saka, Eze, Johnson, and Adingra. Should I trade anyone for Neto? Neto, 
has some good fixtures. They have um, Fulham, Arsenal, Burnley, Forest, West Ham. His injury update, as Nolsey mentioned previously, it is possible that he's going to return in game week 13. But more than likely, it will, it will be 14 before he's playing, playing full-time with that type of injury. We've seen in the past that Neto, he can return against the likes of City, Liverpool and Newcastle. So he is fixture-proof. So he does have that swaying in his favour. From game week 13 to 20, Wolves play teams on average in the 12th position. So that is the lowest of any team. So the Premier League had a table up and they took over the next, so that's what, eight game weeks, took the eight game weeks, combined all the positions of the teams and got an average. And, uh, and on average, Wolves play the lowest team in 12th, so we'll say rounded up 13th position. On the contrary, Palace play the, the I suppose, the highest average position, which is 9.25. So if we look at the teams that range from, let's say, you know, 9 to 14 in that range, you know, you're looking at West Ham are in ninth, Chelsea are in tenth. So the higher end of the scale, you're on average playing West Ham or Chelsea every weekend. Whereas if you come down to like 13th and 14th, you're looking at Palace and Forest. So let's say you went as far as 14 and you said that, you know, Wolves have on average play Forest every week. You'd be fairly happy. So over the next eight game weeks, Wolves have on average, in terms of position, currently the best fixtures. Obviously, after a couple of games, positions change drastically, and it's not even a massive sway from 9 to 14th, because looking at them 16 teams, you know, anyone could beat anyone, but it does make a difference. So although we might see some hard teams in some of them fixtures, on average, maybe Wolves have some of the best fixtures. Based on those facts, based on Neto being fixture-proof, based on their average position opponents <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. over the next eight game weeks the favours and the odds are in Neto's favour over the next couple of weeks he just has to get back from, from that injury so that's the only thing I will be cautious of you may not have him for the next two weeks but after that for the Burnley Forest West Ham and Chelsea fixture you will have and, him. and we know he's nailed and we know he's on form this season yeah the only I suppose worry is that will he come back at the same level after that injury it wasn't massive so we'd like to think he would yeah Next up then in the equation is uh, Kudus. So West Ham, they have Burnley, Palace, Spurs, Fulham and Wolves in the next uh, five game weeks. Thing about Kudus, so he was a bit of rotation with Antonio, but now since the injury that Antonio suffered on international duty with Jamaica, that means Kudus is more nailed. Kudus has played 90 minutes in the last three games. He also has two goals in four appearances in the Europa League. So based on yeah the facts that Antonio was gone and Kudus's nailness, I will be confident in him um, in that equation as well. So I would still be sticking with Kudus. Next is Saka. Saka, I don't think we need to go into too much detail on him. You will be keeping Saka. Johnson then, so the likes of Richardson's injury, Madison's injury, it does mean that Johnson is now nailed. And Spurs are playing very attacking football. I would like to think that Johnson is going to get some returns over the next couple of games uh, because of their attacking threat. Next is Eze. Look, he's on penalties. He's nailed. I'd like to keep kicks. him. I think a common theme here as I go through this list is the nailness of these players. Over the next couple of weeks, with so many games, you need to be picking players that are going to be nailed and that are be playing every week. And the likes of Saka and Eze, these guys, they're on set pieces as well. So they will be crucial for you going forward. The last player then is Adingra. Although 
the last five game weeks he has been nailed. I'm still not confident over the next couple of weeks that he's going to be playing as consistently as the other players mentioned previously. So they, yeah, they're playing in the Premier League and they also play Athens and Marseille over the next few weeks. With that being said, I would be looking at to get rid of Adingra for Neto. You definitely like to keep all the other players and then subbing in Adingra for, for Neto. As well as that, Wolves have the advantage of not playing in Europe. So yeah. Brighton, we know, have roulette. They have Europe and every team has that heavy schedule. Yeah. So although Adingra scored last week, we said that he looks great. We both asked each other like, what is your good feeling about Adingra? And both of us, we didn't have a good feeling. Now, on that reference to good feeling, if you listen to Chasing the Upside podcast, he had a particular guest on, I cannot remember exactly who it was, but he articulated good feeling better than I've ever heard. And essentially what he said was, good feeling is not just a good feeling. As you know more about a particular topic, your good feeling is accumulation of previous knowledge that you have acquired. So it's not a good feeling. It's just on instinct assessing information quicker. So our good feeling about Dingra is not good. Maybe because we're taking a nailness rotation all in in a quick instant. So straight away, our good in, instinct about Dingra wasn't great. And I suppose that has to be down to nailness, roulette, Europe. So again, if I had the option of Neto over Dingra over the next 10, 12 game weeks, I think I'd be taking it. Yeah. And that follows into the next question, which is fairly similar. Kudos, Diaby, Paqueta and Adingra. Remove one. We're keeping kudos for all the reasons that we said. West Ham, although they're not good at the, at the back, they are scoring goals and kudos now seems nailed. Diaby has scored three goals and six assess, assists in a very attacking Villa side and essentially plays up top behind Ayo Watkins, Watkins, who's having a fantastic season. Paqueta, although he doesn't seem like the most exciting picks especially when you think about Odingra young player on the wing for an attacking Brighton side I think he gets overshadowed by the likes of Bowen Ward-Prowse as 100%. well 100% um, so people don't look at Paqueta because he's just that bit down the pecking order City were going playing 70-80 million for him yeah. you know they don't play play that for, for someone who's not highly rated so in terms of his stats he's started all 11 games that he's been available for for West Ham has taken pins as well scored last week he has some good stats to back him up. I think he's two goals and one assist. And I think he's slightly underperforming. He maybe should have one more attack and return according to the stats. So again, exactly what we said about Adingra. Why we drop him is because over the next few weeks, as we said, the Christmas period could make or break some game weeks. And although your team may look very good on paper, some of them players not may not play so I would prioritise nailed players over the next couple of weeks. And I know it's kind of early in terms of Christmas, but you want to kind of start setting up now. If someone wants a dingra because he banged the last game and you're worried about him in six or seven game weeks time, well, that's a good time. I'm not saying a dingra is a bad pick for the next couple of game weeks, but in the long term, in like next 10 games, you want someone that he's going to play on average 80 to 90 minutes per game. That's going to be tough because of the volume. But people like the West Ham players, Moyes has made the least amount of changes this year out of any manager. Therefore, that tells us that kudos, Paqueta, they're all great options. Diaby has started. I know he's been taken off early, but he is a nail starter. So that's why we'd probably drop a Dingra, although you might look at Paqueta as maybe the odd one out there. A Dingra, I also think, has kind of... 
it's hot he's hot on people's lists because of normal fantasy because he's cheap and he might be in a lot of teams for that reason he might be a bit of an enabler <laughs> he might be a bit of an enabler as we call it to help get the likes of Salah so people have him on their mind a bit more I do think if you have Dingra right now it would be a great time to get a trade over the line for him because he's just after scoring a goal he's rated really high at the moment so you can like if that trade is there Paqueta for Dingra previously or Neto for Dingra. yeah it's like Two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, Neto was one of the highest rated midfielders. Exactly. But now, because he's just coming back from injury, he mightn't be looked as highly as an Adingra who's just after returning. Exactly. So, it's like getting them stocks, as we said. Get them when they're high, yeah. uh, sell them when they're high, and get them when they're low. Yeah. So that kind of brings us on to um, another question that talks about a player that's just scored or just returned well. It says, Trosser, Decora, and Kudos. Rank them. We're going Kudos top. We don't need to re- repeat ourselves. We're going Decora second. Because although he plays for Everton and they're kind of midway in the fixture ticker, there's some good ones, there's some bad ones. Maybe some, some bad news in the... Yeah, yeah, some external factors might affect it. He has got four goals and two assists this season. We love Decoria, nailed player, and he's a joy to own when they have good fixtures. Because when, when you're watching him, he always gets fairly advanced in the pitch. And we're going to rank Trossard third. Although Trossard did score and assist in the last game, Nketiah is back, Jesus is back, Martinelli seems fully fit. Saka seems okay again. They have their main players back in terms of, of attack and threat. And yes, Arteta might reward Trossard with another start because of the last game. But I think this is kind of a sell-high one. Trossard might get rewarded with another start because of them, them, them returns of one goal and one assist. But his last game, 80 minutes, was his most by far. On average, he's playing 38 minutes this season. And he's always going to be a rotation risk. So if you can get a trade over the line for someone who thinks maybe he'll get in there as a hit of Martinelli, I don't think he will. It's a great time to trade him. So we'd rank Kudos first, Decore second, and then Trossard third. Next question is, I have Matters and Van de Ven. Should I seek a trade or go through waivers slash free agent? I suppose here we talked about Van de Ven last week and he's going to be out for another 8 to 10 game weeks. The estimation is mid-January, which is similar to Madison currently. And although it's only a couple of weeks away, you know, like maybe six, seven, eight weeks, he could miss up upwards of 10 game weeks because of that heavy Christmas schedule. So again, I probably trade Van de Ven, fairly simple. Last week we talked about why picking up a player from the waiver mightn't be that bad because you can attack the fixtures. And in terms of Madison, Madison is the new year, apparently. No one expected the Madison injury to be as bad as it was. I don't think he even expected to be out for, you know, till mid-January, I suppose. So I suppose the question is, do you hold and do you sell? When someone's out long term, I don't think it's the best time to trade because their value is probably at the ground. I, I it's just it's just never really done. Yeah. So I think the people option would, people would nearly laugh at you for offering that. Trade. Yeah, they just don't consider it really. Yeah. So the option for me is waiver or not waiver. And we had a lengthy discussion about this. It's like, if you knew a player of this caliber who's like an elite player outside the top, like three or four players and has been up there at times, if you knew exactly how many game weeks an elite player like Madison was out for, how many would you keep him for? And we said like six, definitely, eight, probably. And once you get up upwards of like 10, you're kind of, you know, you have to make a decision then. It's a 50-50 yeah. because... I suppose the decision you have to make if you do keep him 
is that you can't have any other injuries. So let's say you decide to keep Madison and he is out for 10 game weeks, which brings us up to around the time he's expected back. Could be sooner, it could be later. It's still a relatively unknown injury, which we'll reference later on when we talk about a trade that he's involved in. What would you do? Would you keep him? And if you if you do, as we said, you cannot have any more injuries. So you're invested in keeping Madison on your bench and playing with your other 13 outfield players. And let's say you have another decent midfielder, defender, and they get an injury, and then you have um, some poor fixtures, you're going to have to commit to getting rid of someone else. Or after five or six weeks, you realize, oh, I can't hold Madison. And we talked about the sunk cost fallacy a good yeah. bit before. Do you then bite the bullet? You probably don't. So you're in no man's land. So if you make this this decision to keep him, which again, the decision we kind of agreed on was we probably would, you have to then have your team set up so that if you get any other injuries, you're happy to let any of the other players go. And that's the decision you have to make. And I think Madison this season, based on what he's done, he is that value that you can invest in him. Yeah, I think it comes back to the point of there's so many games coming up in the, in this Christmas period. And if you have two injured players sitting on your bench, there's a risk of one yeah. of them having to be played. So you'd only actually end up getting points for 10 players. Possibly even nine if someone's rested for a full 90 minutes. If, if, if some team actually scores two goals early or something like that. Yeah, so having two injured players on your bench could be a massive risk over the next couple of weeks. So having one, if that one was Madison, that would be okay. You could live with that. You could live with Madison, but again, you probably won't be able to deal with two. Especially yeah. if another quality player gets injured. You're going to have to. And so I suppose the decision has to be made now. It's not going to be made in three or four weeks time because then you're three or four weeks into them 10 weeks. Personally, I would keep, but you have to have the team set up. The next question was, I have a trade for KDB. For Madison, what would you do? And again, we talked about this at length. So I suppose the thing you have to assess here is, we talked about KDB's injury and we think he's going to be back mid-December, but probably play a rotation role, knock it in until probably Madison is back in. So you're kind of taking them at you know, face value. Mm. KDB does have that kind of small advantage of, well, he might be back earlier. I wouldn't expect KDB to be back in the middle of Christmas and playing 90 minutes back-to-back. Yes, he might play some games, but I think he'll be rested, especially with a hamstring injury of that calibre. Um, before the international break, Pep said that he was training by himself, but not with the group yet. So I presume he'll be back light training after international break and then eased in after another couple of weeks. So it could be December that he gets, you know, a start. So he has that advantage. And then come January, they're both going to be back playing. Now the decision lies in, do you want someone that's 100% nailed or someone that is playing behind Haaland with probably the best team in the league that scored the most amount of goals? And I think we had a long discussion and we came to the conclusion that we'd like to go KDB because come January... Although KDB might get rotated, it's nearly guaranteed returns. Now, not saying Madison isn't because he has been that that good this season, but KDB is playing for the best team, and even if he misses some games, he has a massive high ceiling. Not that James Madison doesn't also have a high ceiling with Son, but again, I put it to Jaxi like this. If Son doesn't score, Madison is assisting Johnson and Kulisevsky, which, yeah, they're decent players in their own right, but if... Haaland doesn't score. KDB is assistant Bernardo, Grealish, Doku, um, Alvarez, Foden. Mm-hmm. He has so many other routes to points 
and that I think it's probably a good trade now, especially with KDB coming back slightly earlier. Yeah. The other factor was Madison's injury. It was only a couple of weeks and now it's not till till January. So we still are unsure of how long exactly Madison's going to be out for. But we have more news on KDB. So we have more concrete evidence that he's going to be back at a certain time. I think it's still up in the air with regards the uh, return date for Madison. For that reason as well, I'd be looking at KDB because it could be, you never know when Madison could come back and I wouldn't like to be sitting there waiting yeah, with a Madison, waiting for news. unsure of when he's going to come no, back. It's not, it's not that Kevin De Bruyne might come back and pull it again, but at least we have signs. As yeah. we said, we didn't expect Madison to be out this long, so that's kind of... Yeah. That would make you fear a bit. That it's always worrying. is it way worse than we first expected. Yeah. And that kind of brings us on to the next question about KDB for Kulisewski. Now one player is playing and one's not. And the decision you have here is do you risk minutes versus returns? As you said, KDB is guaranteed returns. Over the whole course of the season, he's going to get returns. Not that Kulisewski isn't, but Kulisewski is nailed. He's playing with Spurs and playing 90 minutes, even when the injuries weren't so apparent. But his output has been reduced without matters. He's only scored, what was it, two goals? Three goals this season. And that's in the best and most attacking side Spurs have had in the Premier League for years. Yeah, those three goals were against Bournemouth, Sheffield United and uh, Chelsea as well. So not Chelsea are weak at the back as well. So Kulisewski hasn't been able to return against the good teams. Yeah, them goals are kind of skewed. You know, the stats are kind of skewed. So he's got three goals and... As I said, come January, KDB's back. And the option is KDB versus Kulisewski. You'd laugh at it. You wouldn't even accept it. So I would definitely go for KDB over Kulisewski, except that it might be a couple of games, but you'd like De Bruyne to catch up to Kulisewski fairly fairly quickly over the next five or ten games that when both of them are playing. Yeah, it's a long season. So like having Kul- or having KDB on your bench for a couple of weeks until he's back fit, You'll reap the rewards later on in the season. As I said to Jaxie, I've seen people with KDB on their team, on their bench, since the start. They drafted him and they have him on their bench. So that's how highly some people rate KDB. Last question from our Instagram was about Spurs midfielders. And with injuries to Madison, Madison, <laughs> <laughs> Madison, could you go for Bentancourt or Lo Celso? And... Yeah, although they're both good players in their own right, we haven't seen enough from them yet to kind of justify going for them. And as well as, you know, Spurs don't have the easiest run in the world. Therefore, we probably looked at the waiver. So so we're going to have a couple of suggestions at the end based on midfielders in various uh, size of leagues. So maybe listen in there and you might get your replacement for whoever you're getting rid of. Last question. I suppose I'll do one side of the trade. Jackson can do the other. It is a trade question. DCL and Martinelli for Darwin and Pascal Gross. So I suppose I look at the Darwin and Gross side and Jackson can look at the DCL and Martinelli. If we look at Darwin straight away, as we said, Liverpool are bottom of the fixture ticker over the next 10 games. Some very tough fixtures, but they're Liverpool. Yet they're scoring goals. Mo Salah is in the team. Darwin has scored four goals and six assists. He has one of the highest expected goals per 90 out of any player in the Premier League. Obviously taking out Salah and Haaland and Jackson, who's an anomaly. Uh, He has a 0.91 expected goals involvement per 90. Uh, He has kind of converted some of that into reward. uh, Four goals and six assists. Um, So he has good stats and he's playing alongside Salah. 
I suppose on the other side then with DCL, he has three goals so far this season with an expected goals per 90 of 0.43. He also has 13 shots in the box, five of those were on target. DCL, he is a decent option to have. Um, and his fixtures there are not great over the, the next five game weeks. Newcastle, Chelsea, Spurs, City. Only real run of form is from 20, game week 20 to 22. But that's look, that's the tail end of the Christmas period. With DCL, injury concerns are always um, always a big factor with him. Has had high ceilings in previous years. But this season, I don't think he's the same DCL as. But like I think all the injuries are just seem to be adding up. Um, and with the busy schedule coming up as well, the Christmas period might take its toll. Might take its toll on him. Yeah, and as as you said, there he hasn't been the DCL in previous. That's because Everton have been better. They've been spreading the goals a lot more. The likes of Harrison and Decore, you know, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with a few goals in there. So Michelenko. like Michelenko. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're chipping in with a few goals, so he hasn't needed to be as dominant as previous seasons. But then f- only five shots in the box. If we go on to the Dar, sorry, the the gross side of the Darwin trade, so Darwin plus gross for DCL and Martinelli. If we look at gross in detail, he is one of the only nailed players for Brighton. Only missed two games, and that was because of injury. Started every other game. Right, the only time he hasn't played ninety minutes is twice, and that's when he got taken off at eighty and eighty-eight minutes. Has had two goals, one assist, and has had two ten-point hauls. Now, if we look at his shots compared to DCL's, who's the main striker for Everton, he's had seven shots in the box. 15 shots total, seven shots in the box. DCL only had five. Now, as we said, Brighton are in Europe. There's a lot of rotation, Christmas period. But if you had to pick one player from Brighton that was nailed, it's going to be gross. I still expect him to get some benches over the next 10 game weeks. But I think he has very, very good stats to back it up. On the... DCL side, so it was DCL and Martinelli. Look, Martinelli has had a few reduced minutes this year due to some injuries, but he has been the preferred left winger for Arsenal. Look, he's only made it to 85 plus minutes five times this year. Other games uh, where he started, he's averaged around 65 minutes as well. So his numbers are well down from last year. We all know that. Uh, one goal and two assists. Um, like last year, I had him in my draft team. And he was going off at the start of the season. Did you have him first pick? I think was second he, pick. I think he was second pick, and people, I think you, you were like Martinelli, second yeah. pick. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And um, he exploded the first five or six game weeks. Yeah. But um, yeah, look, they're just not the numbers aren't there this year. One goal and two assists. With Arsenal, they are top of the fixture ticker over the next ten game weeks, and they are likely to score in the next five. Yeah, I expect him to improve over the next ten as well. So although he only has that one goal and two assists, I think he's going to probably even out with Pascal Gross if not do better based on that I still think Darwin and Gross tip it for me yes Darwin might be frustrating to watch and Gross might be as exciting as Martinelli the difference between Gross and Martinelli is very small and although I do think as I said Martinelli will improve over the next 10 game weeks and maybe improve his stats I don't think it's going to be as big as the difference between Darwin and DCL I think Darwin plus Gross are going to outscore them two boys over the next 10. Gross has many routes to points. He has penalties and corners. So although, yes, he mightn't be as exciting, I still think he's a pick and stick, as I said. Martinelli playing a fantastic team, slightly underperforming his stats, and Gross is slightly overperforming. Therefore, we expect him to even out over the long run. 
but I do expect it to go in Darwin and Gross's favor. So overall, we're gonna stick with Darwin and Gross and hopefully it works out for you. Moving on to the waiver section. So we said that we're gonna have a couple of goalkeeper options for you this week. The only one that's kind of nailed is Ramsdale because Rhea can't play for or against his parent club, Brentford. So Ramsdale, if he's on the waiver for some reason or if you have him, he's a good start this weekend. The other two keepers are a bit of a one-week punt. So Ortega for City, Ederson is at 75%. Therefore, Ortega might get in this week. We said it at the start that Ortega is a great keeper and has played before for City with no real uh, implications to the result. So I don't think Pep's going to be too afraid to start him. And then the other one is Heaton. Heaton, yes, is the backup keeper for Manchester United. Onana um, came off during the international break with a shoulder injury. So I suppose we have to wait for updates on both those, Ederson and Onana. But if they're out, more than likely Heaton will be on the waiver. Just on, on Ortega, actually. If you play him and you start him and Ederson actually ends up does get the nod, your other keeper will just come on. Yep. So it will be t- worth taking that risk of just playing him anyway and hoping for um, hoping that he plays. If he doesn't, so be it. Yep. Next up then is defenders in 8-10 to 10 size leagues. So first is Colwell. So he is flagged at the moment. Uh, has some very good fixtures from game week 16 to 21. So they are second bottom on that list in opponent average position. They're just below Wolves, which is a good thing. So their average position opponent, or their opponent's average position over the next 10 game weeks, or 8 game weeks, I think it was, is 12th. So, yeah, as we said, Chelsea have them massive yeah. run of fixtures from game week 16 to 21, that if you have any a piece of that Chelsea defence, I saw uh, Thiago Silva on a couple of waivers as well. So Carl will probably be number one, because he might play at that left-back role. Yeah, Zinchenko um, then number two. Uh, he is on some waivers because of Tomiyasu starting. Scored a cracking goal last week as well. Did you see it? Yeah, great goal. Scissors kick. Um, so, yeah, Zinchenko, he's our number two. Number three then is Ward. Most available Palace defender, and they are playing Luton this weekend. So Palace, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, um, they've kept some of the most clean sheets. Five, they, I think they've they're top five, isn't it? Joint with Arsenal, yeah, of five. Um, so, yeah, Ward, number three. Number four then is uh, Zuma. So coming back from an injury, um, Aguard is available. Aguard is actually highly available in leagues. So yeah, Zuma is number four. Yeah, although West Ham haven't had the best stats defensively, Zuma is always ready for a bullet header. Yeah. And we've seen Suchek did that exact thing with James Ward-Prowse delivery. So it's always it's always an option. Even if they do concede, Zuma is one of their main attackers when it comes to set pieces. If we look at Larger size leagues, and we look kind of longer term holds. Um, to follow or Aina for um, Forest are good picks because Forest are top of the fixture ticker for the next six game weeks. Brighton, Everton, Fulham, Wolves, Spurs, and Bournemouth. And although a couple of them teams look like they could score, um, Forest have been better defensively, and the two boys have been getting in amongst the points. Yes, a couple of their assists weren't like, you know, whipped in balls, they literally passed it left, yeah. but they all count. Yeah. We saw that with uh, Simicast, that he just gave it to Jota, Jota banged it top corner, assist. We will talk about them a, a bit in the waiver, but Forest are much improved in terms of their attack 
and they kept a clean sheet. So I'm not saying that they're, you know, world beaters, but if you're looking for a player that, you know, can start maybe three or four games over the next six games and maybe possibly get a clean sheet, but maybe get an attack and return as well, either of those might be good picks. If we come down the list, we talked about this player previously, Aguard for West Ham. They play Burnley away. There's some decent fixtures coming up, but their defence hasn't been great. Also a big dude, so maybe he gets on the score sheet from one of those corners, but again, probably prefer Zuma. If we're looking at punts for defenders this week, there's very little because you know there's not many real good fixtures, and I suppose that's always what you want to do. If you want to take a chance against Sheffield, it's always a good option. Bournemouth are playing Sheffield away, and they were improved in their last game. They kept a clean sheet against Newcastle. They've kept two clean sheets this season, and they've both been against Chelsea and Newcastle. So unexpected clean sheets, but they have been at home. Now they are playing Sheffield away, and Zabarni is the probably most nailed Bournemouth defender. I would like to go for Aaron's, but he's flagged. So if he's not flagged and looks like he could be good, I would probably go for him. Uh, Kirkes looks like a good player, but has been rotated. So probably go with Zabarni. Barney. Kirkes has a couple of yellow cards as well. Yeah, that's true. He's liable. So I'd probably go for him just because he is the most nailed out of that Bournemouth defence. Again, this would probably be if you're looking at um, injuries and you need someone or you want to attack Sheffield, you think that they are not going to be good at home. We have seen that they could score lately, so I wouldn't 100% rely on stats this week. But if you're looking for a punt, cheeky little differential, that is your man. Next then is midfielders in 8-10 to 10 size leagues. So first we've Neto. We've gone into great detail on why Neto is a great pick. And he could be back for game week 13. Next is Suchek. So we've... Ray Bros who checked a lot in this podcast, particularly around James Warprow's playing alongside him. So in in their last game, before Suchek actually scored his goal, he could have he could have scored a carbon copy of that, but the keeper just got a touch to it. So Suchek is a great option. With Antonio being injured as well, he is more nailed. We, we if you look at the best five kind of midfield players for West Ham, if James Warprow sitting, Suchek sitting, um, kudos Paqueta. Bone. That's only five out of if they play a two three one, which he often does, or maybe mm. like a, a one four one. That's only five players, so he can maybe get Ben Rama in there. He could swap it up and change up the tactics. But although Suchek has got dropped this season, I think now, especially if Antonio's injured long term, I think Suchek is going to be nailed. And we know it, Moyes. If you're in the team, you're usually going to stay there. That's a fantastic uh, top five. Yeah, it is, isn't best, it? I like it. One of the best West Ham's yeah, teams in a while. That's true. Next up, yeah, Gibbs White. I know we, well, I went into great detail of Gibbs White in previous podcasts, but Forest are top of the fixture ticker, and they did look more attacking in the previous game week. So he's playing as right winger as well. So he's yeah. So like Gibbs White at the start of the season, like you'd be looking at them like fixtures. Yeah, he was playing central and. He's very good into last season. You'd be putting him way higher in this list. Um, just because he's playing wider, and we talked about this over the last couple of weeks, because he's playing wider, he, he his value is reduced. With the likes of Awani and another player that who will mention later on playing very well, uh, Gibbs White does have decent tr- value. Uh, the only thing I'd be worried about is his positioning on that right wing. But I suppose you just have to attack the fixtures. Forrest has some great fixtures, as we mentioned. Brighton, Everton, Fulham, Wolves, Spurs, Bournemouth. You could honestly see them scoring against most of them teams, although I'm sure they're going to fail sometimes. But 
When Forest are on form and Awoni is on form, they have the potential to score against any of those teams. So hopefully Gibbs White might be involved in that and actually get back and hit a bit of form because he can be a great yeah. uh, he can be a great draft option because he's in that kind of limbo where trading waivers and all that. So hopefully he does come good. He's one of those players that's on and off the waiver the whole time. In small leagues, definitely. Yeah. And then next recommendation then is Elise. So he played 23 minutes the last day. We've seen Elise in previous or last season in particular. Fantastic player. Does have a high high ceiling for a Palace player. I actually brought him in two weeks ago, so I have him Ready on my go. team. So yeah, keep you keep you updated how I go with Elise. Coming into our larger size leagues, so again these players might be good holds over the next couple of weeks. Elanga is that third um, Forest player that we're talking about. Playing left wing, returned against Brighton, did a, a bit of an early celebration, took off the shirt, and then they came back and scored. But he looks like one of the best players. Um, he is slightly flagged, took a knock, but I expect him to be okay, especially over the long term. So Alanga, if you're in a smaller size league, probably go for him. Great option. Coming down that list, Ayu is playing Luton. And even with Olise coming back into the team, he played 90 minutes. So it's probably more than likely going to be Schlupp or Hughes that gets whipped um, full-time for Olise coming back. So you'd like to think that the kind of top four for Palace would be Ayu, uh, Eze, Olise and Edward. And when in a couple of weeks, that poor Palace side in terms of attack now looks like a great threat. So if Ayu keeps his team, uh, keeps his spot full-time in that team, he could be a great asset and especially as a short-term punt against Luton. If we're looking at kind of down the list, longer-term holds, if you're looking at a, you know the waiver and you don't see much, Brownhill or Goodmanson for Burnley could be good options. Burnley are well up that fixture ticker. They're second. And I know they're you know not the best side, but they can score. I'm not saying they're going to score loads of goals, but they can actually score. They're Goodmanson, down. I haven't looked at his stats, but he passed the eye test in the last game. He was getting in decent positions. Yeah, yeah. Well, I went into detail on the stats last week, yeah. and he did pass the stats test as well. Sorry, yeah. that was previous to Arsenal. Yeah, you on about the Arsenal game last weekend? Yeah. Yeah. So um, he actually the previous game to that he racked up some good stats as well. So Goodmanson up the list as well as Brownhill got the goal against Arsenal. So either of those, some of the teams they play: West Ham, leaky at the back; Sheffield, at home, leaky at the back; Wolves, Brighton, Everton, Fulham. All of those six teams, all those um, Burnley, individually, you could see them getting a goal. I expect them to score maybe three or four out of those six. So if you get um, the likes of Brownhill or Goodmanson in on uh, kind of a last-minute waiver as a free agent even, as a fifth midfielder, they could be good over the next four or five game weeks. In those 12-plus size leagues. Yes, larger size leagues, 14, 16 size leagues, you're probably looking at Brownhill, Goodmanson. Yeah. In terms of our punts, and these are kind of fun little punts, our Sarabia, will he get the nod again for Wolves after that cameo performance? What a goal he scored against Spurs. I think that could be his introduction. I was very surprised that he get he got so little minutes at the start of the season. Maybe that goal will kind of wake up and the manager and tell him, I, I want to play, I should be in the team. So maybe Sarabia, uh, you want to take a chance if you're in a big league for him to get in. They are playing Fulham this weekend. So maybe he starts against Fulham and does the same thing. Sarabia is no spring chicken. Like Sarabia's been around the block for a while. Played at Madrid, Getafe, Sevilla, PSG, Sporting and then Wolves as well. So it's not like 
He's just this new player off the block. Sarabia is a proven player. Proved like they're some of the biggest clubs in Europe. Yeah. You know, so I think Sarabia after that cameo will get in there with Wolves. Um, a longer term one is Richarlison. Not really the best pick, but if you're looking for some way into that Spurs side, reduced forwards. Apparently back at the 7th of December, which is like two or three game weeks time. If you want to hold him on the bench, if you're in a large size league, and again, you want somewhere into that Spurs side, maybe you want to have a look at Richardson, but that's probably going to be longer down the line. Finally, there's probably one striker in a smaller league, and that is Amdouni. Amdouni's kind of been on and off our radar for a couple of weeks. He's fully on it now, especially with Foster out for a number of weeks. Burnley also with them good fixtures. If Amdouni's in a small size league and you need a striker that's going to start, Amdouni is your man. Hopefully, as I said, Burnley can be productive in them kind of games. You know, the likes of Sheffield, Wolves, Brighton, Everton, Fulham. All them games, Amdouni, and as a Burnley owner, you'd like to start him. So no matter what size league you are in, there will be a player that will improve your team in there. As always, hit us up on all forms of social media. Listen to the podcast if you've gone this far. Thank you so much. Subscribe to the YouTube page, draft uh, FPL underscore draft underscore duo. Follow us on Twitter for updates on injuries, which we'll refer to the podcast an awful lot on Twitter. Instagram, if you're looking for reels, if you're looking for more visual um, information, that's where you get it. So no matter where we are, what we do, we have something for you. Draft duo out. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> what an hell? I'm going to have to cut so much of that out.